Thank you, Marilyn. Uh, hello, everybody. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Really appreciate it, your time. Um, I'm going to talk today about the topic of resilience, um, and it's you know it's a topic that's very important to me. Um, not only because I've had some some tough times in my own life, but also because, uh, um, like the last presenter, I, I'm a, I'm an anxiety sufferer, so I deal with resilience every day. Even you know going about my daily my daily um, you know, work requires resilience. And so there's a lot of things um, you know, that, that resilience really plays a big part in my life. Um, you know, so, um, so let me be upfront. I'm, I'm gonna to present to you, I'll tell you a little bit about my life. And then I'm gonna tell you a story about my life. I, I don't have a, a program that I'm trying to sell. I am an author, but I'm effectively giving away one of my books for free. Uh, anyway, so um, you know, um, you're probably asking, you know, why am I doing this? Well, um, I'm doing it for a few reasons. So Marilyn was very kind to me um, when I first launched my book, uh, and she had me on her podcast. So um, really uh, pleased to be invited back here to present to you guys and, and be part of this. But I'm, I'm sharing this story, and I've shared it a couple of times, not because this story is so different, but because this story is so common, right? And when it comes to resilience, I think half of the, you know, half of the, uh, the thing of being resilient is knowing that you're not alone in this world, knowing that others have faced the same challenges um, that you've faced and survived and, and with the right sort of mindset about how to go about that, um, not only will you survive, but you'll become bigger and stronger in the process. So that's why I share this story. But first, why don't I give you a little background on me and my family? So uh, there we there we go. That's me, Andrew Hood. I'm in the back here. I have my my lovely wife uh, Elizabeth next to me, and in front of us I have our um, three children: my eldest son Linton, uh, my other son Harrison, and Rose. There, and we are on top of the world. There we are on well, actually we're on top of Sydney Harbour Bridge in Sydney. So that was I think it was about I think it was it was March 2020. So um, you know, last year, um, we were just starting to see the start of the pandemic and uh, Sydney was in lockdown. Well, you know, we were locking down to other states and things like that. And we wanted to get out and see our own city. We wanted to become tourists in our city. So we went and uh, climbed the Sydney Harbour Bridge, which was a lot of fun. It was a great day there. Um, that, you know, that's my reason for getting up every day is is my beautiful family and, and I love them all. They're all sleeping somewhere in this house right now because it's early here in Australia. Um, but I'm a few things as well. So I'm, I'm a 25 year veteran of the IT industry. I currently work uh, for Dell uh, in Australia and New Zealand. I'm a senior sales manager for Dell. I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, uh, and I'm a writer and an author as well. So, you know, big parts of my life are these. But what I'm going to do today is I'm going to share a story with you. And I'm, to do that, I'm going to stop sharing my screen now. And I'll come back to the, to the slides in a little bit. But I am going to tell you a story. So bear with me for one second. Okay. So, so this is going to be um, a bit uncomfortable for me to share this story, right? But I know that I'm happy to do it because I know that anything that I've done in my life that has been has been amazing or has been really um, satisfying. I know it's come from moments of pure panic, right? So I'm happy to share this story because it's a moment of pure panic 
And it's all of the, the wonderful things that have come after those moments of pure panic. So I'm going to share with you now. And when I said before that uh, that was a picture of me and my family and, and that we were, you know, standing on top of the world, we weren't always that way, or I certainly wasn't always that way. So if, if I rewind back about 15 years ago, I, I was a junior sales rep uh, and I was earning really good money for my company. I was um, being mentored by one of the best sales reps in the business. Um, me and my wife had our first baby son, uh, Linton, who, who you saw on that previous slide, the oldest one there. So we had our first son. We bought a, a small house in a yeah, and that house was rapidly going up in value because of the, the Australian property market uh, has been doing that or was doing that uh, at that stage anyway. And, and that property market was booming. So in, in, a, in a market that's booming, everybody seems to think they're an expert, right? If your house is going up in value, you think you're an expert. And everybody in Australia was thinking they're experts about property and all of this sort of stuff. And I was so confident in my own future that I let a friend uh, talk me into doing a property development with him. And we were going to buy a block of land and build three units um, on that land. So um, we had this, you know, we, we, we thought it was, you know, it was, it was a license to print money as far as we, we were concerned, you know, the, the property market was booming so quickly in Australia. And, um, you know, we, we, were, we would be in and out in a couple of years, have this thing done, sell these three properties, so earning good money, um, and to top it all off, like to make it even better, I was actually promoted, right? So I, I got to um, leave Sydney, go down to Melbourne and work alongside that mentor that I'd been talking about in one of Australia's largest accounts. So everything in my life at that time was going really, really well. Like I was, you know, it was a great time. And, and there were some cracks, you know, there were some cracks in my, in my mental health. I, I've always been highly strong. I've always been a bit of an anxiety sufferer. But when life is good, it's really easy to overlook that stuff, right? You don't see it as a problem when your life is good. It's only when things start to turn that those problems become bigger, right? So it was a wild ride for about six months. Um, and then things started to change for me. That territory that I'd gone down to Melbourne to, to, for my promotion started to dry up and we went from getting you know revenues of 14 million dollars every quarter um, of, of the year to less than 300,000 we had a big team on that account so you know that territory could not support that big team anymore so we had to look at well what will I do so we had to change the territory that I worked in so I, I was given another territory which was um, the accounts that nobody wanted. And there was a good reason that they were accounts that nobody wanted. I remember um, these were customers that hated us. Like that, you know, some of them, I remember one customer only agreed to take the meeting with me so they could tell me to my face how much they hated our company. So that's the sort of thing that I started to, to deal with. And, and you know, I, I've been on a pretty good run, right? So I hadn't sort of faced this sort of um, you know, I haven't faced that sort of uh, competitive nature or, or been challenged like that before. On top of that, um, the global financial crisis hit and uh, we started having serious financial problems with that investment property. So all of a sudden, um, you know, we went from having money coming in and, and being excited and lots of things happening 
to a point where the bank started to make demanding phone calls to me and say things like, you, you need to have $3,000 in your account by, by Thursday, or you need to have $5,000 in your account by Sunday. And I was just getting these constant calls. And, you know, I had little bits of money and I could pull things and pull levers, but, but this went on for, for six months. And I was getting these calls all the time. And the bank kept saying, we need more money. We need more money. And, you know, it was, it was getting quite stressful. I was isolated because I was in a different state to, to where my family were. I had a failing income, you know, my, my commission and my sales weren't coming in. I, I was deep in debt. We had a two-year-old son and my wife gets pregnant again. Now, our first child had been difficult, um, difficult um, to conceive and, and to have. We'd, we'd had a few false starts. We'd, we'd had a, a little bit of a, a a cancer scare, which luckily went away quite quickly, but it was still very scary for us. So when my wife got pregnant, I didn't, I didn't tell her any of it. I didn't tell her any of the money problems. In fact, I, I told nobody any of it. Um, I kept it to myself. And I can tell you, during, during that time, I went to work every day. And I smiled at everybody, just like we smile at each other on these calls or when we see each other in the street. I, you know, I, I smiled at family. Every, every person I, I knew or every person I met, you know, thought I was, I was happy and, and everything was going really well. But I can tell you over um, that six to 12 months, um, things just went from bad to worse. My anxiety turned into a deep, dark depression. I wasn't sleeping well. Um, I couldn't relax. And, and I, I think generally I was falling apart, but I had this great front, right? I could smile at people. I could have a joke. Um, but nobody sort of knew what was really going on behind all of that. And I think that's where, um, you know, I started to sort of fall apart. And I, um, there's a saying, uh, I, I used to think that my secrets are what, um, you know, what defined me, you know, my ability to hold it all together was my strength. Um, and then I met a, a counsellor once who said to me that I completely got that wrong. She said, no, Andrew, um, you're only as sick as your secrets. I never forgot that saying, you're only as sick as your secrets. And given I had so many secrets in my life back then, I was pretty sick, um, you know, you know, mentally, uh, mental health sick. Um, but I was lucky, you know, um, my wife is a very smart woman. So she could tell something was wrong with me. And she got, as I got increasingly, um, you know, as I got increasingly worse, I think she could see that something was, was getting worse with me. And she, and she got really um, concerned about me. And one day she, she called my father and she said um, that she was worried about me, that she was really worried about me. Um, and it's, it's probably one of the hardest moments of my life, um, but it's probably the moment that my life turned around because she'd had a phone call with me in the car. I was driving home from work. She got off that call and she called my father. And dad called me on, uh, in the car. And you know what? I, I love my dad, um, but I probably would never have told him that what was going on. And that's for a few different reasons, right? I, I didn't want my dad to know 
that I needed help, right? I, I, it was me. I'm supposed to be a man now, you know? I was in my 30s. I'm supposed to have it together. I'm supposed to not need help, you know? I've got a family. I've got a young son. I, you know, I wanted to prove to him and I wanted to prove to the world that, that I've got it together, you know? I, I know what I'm doing. But, um, you know, as I was... And Dad rang me and he said, you know, tell me what's going on. And I told him the situation. I pulled over the car because I was... I was just crying by that time because it was it was quite um, traumatic for me to just finally just give it all up to somebody, you know. Um, and I still remember my father saying to me, and he said, you don't understand Hoodie, right? And that's what my, my family call me is Andrew Hood. So they call me Hoodie and I've always been called that. You don't understand Hoodie. Um, you know, hearing the words, Dad, I need help, is one of the nicest things that a parent could ever hear. That stuck in my head. And, he's, and, you know, that day, I tell you, within one day of having that conversation, I mean, you, you've got to remember six to eight months of pain in my life. But within one day of having that conversation, I had enough money in my bank account to keep the bank off my back for another month. I had meetings scheduled with my accountant to restructure all my finances. I ended up seeing a therapist who helped me greatly over the coming months. And we finally signed, signed uh, sold all of those units and I didn't have the bank on my back anymore. So within, you know, one phone call, but I just was hesitant to make that phone call. I didn't want that. I didn't want to be known for that, right? So, but coming out of that, coming out of that present pain every day really gave me a new headspace, right? It gave me a headspace to get into the things that I enjoyed doing, right? I learned that I like to write. So I started a blog and that blog was called The Weekly Tipping Point. And that blog, one day in it, I, I wrote about anxiety. I'd never told anybody about my battle with anxiety before, but in that, in one blog article, I wrote about anxiety. And because of that, and because of the huge response I got to that, that blog was awarded number 39 in the most inspiring blogs worldwide in a list at the time. So got a lot of attention. And it also told, taught me that I can write about emotional things, um, you know, quite well because I've experienced those emotional things. And I also learned that writing 50 blog posts was the equivalent of writing a book. <laughs> so I sort of thought, well, I'm going to write a book one day, you know. And um, a little bit of time went by and I wanted to learn about leadership and I, I couldn't quite find the book that I wanted on leadership. So what I did was I wrote that book. I um, it's called Legacy Leadership. I'll, I'll provide a uh, you know a, a, that book for free for anybody that would like to get it. You can go and download it for the next five days. It's available on Amazon for free. Um, but it also taught me new lessons. Right, I learned about leadership, which is wonderful. But I learned that writing business books was not really my thing. You know, I wanted to use that that ability to write about those dark sort of times and and how to come through them. So I wrote a novel. I wrote a novel. Uh, I took all of that fear, anxiety, doubt, and I poured it all into my characters. That book was called The Man Who Corrupted Heaven. And, and people really liked that book. So I actually um, had a publisher um, sign a, well, I signed a three-book contract on the back of that book with a publisher. So I'm getting to do more now of the things that I really love to do, right? So I still have my job. I love my job working for Dell, but I'm now publishing books as well, right? So 
Um, so in the last six months, you know, I've sold over two two thousand copies of that book into the US and UK, and I'm I'm here in Australia. I'm selling more copies around the world than I'm selling here locally, but that's okay. I love that. You know, um, it, it's all part of the process, and it's not about the money. You know, it's it's about that book and and its ability to help people. You know, so now instead of waking up every day to demands from a bank saying you need to have money in your account by next week. I wake up to messages from readers, right? I, I wake up to messages um, for people tell me that, that my book is now one of their favorite books of all time or that it's helped them in some way. Or I've had three film directors now read that book to see if um, it can be made into a movie. So lots of things happening. The sequel for that first book is out in uh, February. So that's exciting for me to have book number two and book number three is already written and that'll be out late next year. So all of these great things, but all of these struggles that I had back then, they all helped me to be who I am today because when I finally spoke to someone and I, and I finally accepted this help um, is when everything turned around and, and uh, there's a line in one of my books and, uh, and I, I don't want to be the guy that quotes himself, but <laughs> there was a line that really helped people. And one of them told me this line. I didn't even remember writing it, but the line is sometimes life's struggle is its reward. And I tell you, we all have struggles, but we all have rewards as well. And I think if you learn how to use those struggles and you learn how to grow from them, the rewards become even bigger. Um, you know, and we, we just we just need to accept um, a little bit of help in our lives from time to time. But what's this all got to do with resiliency, right? The resiliency isn't about how tough you are. You know, I learned that. It's, a, it's about knowing when you need to ask for help. It's about taking the hits and becoming stronger from those hits. It's about having courage, courage in your own um, ability to survive whatever it is you're going through, right? Whatever it is you're going to go through, you're going to get through it, right? I think one of my favorite sayings is um, when you're going through hell, keep going. You don't want to get stuck there, right? So it's really important that you just sort of take the hit, but no, you know what? It's not always going to be this bad. Things are going to get better. So I'm going to go back to my slides for a second. I've just got only three or four slides, but there's, there's a couple I want to show you. Okay. And this is why I share my story, right? One day you will tell your story of how you overcame something you went through and it would be someone else's survival guide. I love this saying from Brene. And, and really, that's why I share this story, because I know that there, there may be some out there that, you know, are, are struggling and, you know, that, that this story is not my story is not all so different. Everybody has these sort of challenges and maybe my story is so similar, which is why it's it's valuable and, and, and it'll help you. Again, this is my saying that I just talked about. If you're going through hell, keep going. You don't want to be stuck there. Um and I love this. I don't know if anybody's out there and they know who, who came up with this. I tried to Google it um, and everybody seems to have taken, um, uh, you know, everybody posts this, but nobody actually says who started this saying, well, one life, just one. Why aren't we running like fire towards our wildest dreams? And, you know, when I started writing, I, I really enjoyed that process. So for me, this is, uh, I, you know, I like to look at this. And I like to remind myself. Am I running towards, you know, am I running like I'm on fire towards my wildest dream today? And I have to think about that. But getting to resilience, psychology, I, I came across this on Wikipedia. 
Psychological resilience is the ability to mentally or emotionally cope with a crisis or return to a pre-crisis status quickly. I didn't, I don't think I really agree with the same. Um, because if I had returned to the Andrew Hood before all of that trouble, I would be half the Andrew Hood I am today, right? So I don't think it's about returning to pre-crisis. I think it's it's returning or coming to a post a post-crisis enhanced. <laughs> I want to be the bigger person on the other side of the crisis. I don't want to go back to the person I was before the crisis. So I think when I think about resilience, this is the only part, part that me and Wikipedia, Wikipedia maybe don't agree, but I think it's 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 certainly worth knowing. It's it's not about returning to who you are. It's it's about returning to who who you're going to be. As I said before, um, this is a book I wrote uh, called Legacy Leadership. It's going to be available for the next um, five days on on Amazon uh, for free. You can go in there, download it. You either search for the title or or you can type in this uh, this number here. There's no strings attached. Uh, you know, if you if you like that book, I hope you you enjoy it and you get something out of it. Um, literally, uh, as I said, I, I went looking for the book that um, that I wanted to use to learn about leadership, and I couldn't find it. So so what I did is I thought about you know who's the list of top ten leaders of all time. You know, I got those leaders of Martin Luther King, Napoleon, Mandela, Churchill. Catherine the Great, all of these leaders, these amazing leaders, and I really wanted to know who they were, what was their background, what you know, what did they accomplish in their time, what was their leadership style, and what made them so effective? Because I wanted to know how do I actually take what those great leaders do did so well and apply it to my everyday. So it was really about it's it's literally ten pages on each leader around these things, and it really is. How do I take all of that knowledge and learn from them and apply that to my, to my daily, um, you know, my daily leadership sort of um, uh, skills, I guess. So that book's there, um, no strings attached. Go and enjoy it. And, and uh, if you do get something out of it, I'd love to, you know, let me know. That'd be that'd be wonderful. I love to hear from readers. I really do. Um, this is the book I spoke about before, The Man Who Corrupted Heaven. Um, it's the it's the my first. Um, novel I have uh, released a few self-published novels but um, this is the one um, that you know is, is uh, I'm, I'm especially proud of um, it's doing very well it's the first of three books the second will be out in March so um, you know this is um, yeah something I'm really proud of if if you like the other book or if, if you're a reader of fiction and want to go and check that one out you'll be able to find that um, on Amazon and, and we where good books are sold um, and if you'd like to follow me on social media, I'm really only very good on Facebook. Uh, I have my Instagram and I, I have a lot of followers on Twitter, but I don't know what to say to them. So um, I'm still working Twitter out, but um, Facebook is where I like to engage with, you know, with um, people that follow me and follow my writing. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, I'd love to have you come and join me on there if you'd like to. Um, but that's that's where I'm where I'm done. So I, I'm happy to to take any questions. I'm happy to, um, yeah, answer any questions if anybody has any. I'm a little early, Murray Lynn. I hope uh, I haven't finished too soon.
Yes. Yes. This one here. Yep. Yeah, let me do that as we're speaking. That's the one, yeah. You can, but I'll I'll put it in as well. I'll put it in as well. Oh, good. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, yep. It... Yeah, sure. Thank you. Thanks, Carol. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, I'm just posting that in here. We went through so much together. We went through so much together um, that we sort of, when the, you know, and we, we, we certainly left on, on good terms. We had dinner together and we sort of celebrated the end of it. <laughs> but by the end of it, we'd, we'd had enough of each other. <laughs> Whenever we looked at each other, we just thought about all the pain we'd been through. Um, so we're still friends, but we don't see so much of them anymore. And, and that's not personal at all. It's just, you know, we, I think we were keen to sort of move on um, from, that, from that point, both of us. But. But there's certainly no no bad feelings. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. It is now seven twenty-five a.m. Yeah, yeah, they are eighteen. Yeah, eighteen, fifteen, and thirteen. Um, we're in lockdown here, um, so we haven't sort of. We've left the house, but not you know anything other than to go to the the shops for um, probably a month. Then it looks like it's going to be another month now, so that's going to be two months straight. So um, they're going a little bit stir crazy in this house, but that's okay. We'll get through. We'll get through. Um, my eldest, they're, they're talking about my eldest will go back. He's in year twelve, which is the final year of high school. Um, and he's going to have to do his exams. So he'll go back, but um, the others probably won't for another month or two. We'll see how we go. Yeah, we need them out of this house. <laughs> they need to see people and we need them out. I say that with nothing but love. 